Bound by Books, a podcast of five authors across the genres talking about that one thing we are all bound by, books. I'm Tina Moss, and today I'm joined by one of my co-hosts, Danielle Bannister. Hello, hello, and welcome to the show. Um, Today we wanted to talk about the characters we shouldn't love but do and this came up because we were we were chatting as a group about sort of what next book we were about to be reading and the book that's sort of next on my pile is the third book in the you series which got us talking about joe who happens to be a serial killer and you and i we both sort of agreed you know this is someone that we really shouldn't like we shouldn't think is is an attractive person at all and yet We still kind of do. So I thought it might be fun to discuss those characters that are toxic, uh, but we root for anyway. So what are your thoughts, I guess, on Joe for, for, for starters? Oh my gosh. Well, first of all, in the series that they made from the books, like, mm. he's an attractive man. Uh-huh. <laughs> That's not hurting things at all like if he was you know maybe not as conventionally attractive a person we might not feel the same way that we do about the character but he's he's also an appealing man (laughs) so it helps I was just gonna say that yeah that 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 attractiveness is really the hook now if they had cast the character of Joe as somebody unattractive, mm-hmm. we would have assumed this character was this crazy psychopath at all. And it would have taken a completely different turn. But because the casting people chose, and I know it was deliberately chose to make this character an attractive character, we are conflicted, I think, as an audience, either as a viewer or as, as, as a reader, um, because, and I think that this, this confirms something that I have long suspected, that beautiful people can literally get away with murder. <laughs> we forgive attractive people a multitude of sins, don't we? Sure, sure. Well, I mean, even if you look at serial killers in history, real life serial killers, yeah. there are some that have been attractive people and that's how they've gotten their victims and lured them in to do uh unspeakable things to them unfortunately the charm is part of that allure and that kind of like darker side right they are very charming they are good looking and in the case of joe he has a sort of vulnerability to him as well yes Yes. It's almost like that, I could take care of you feeling, I could fix you, like, yeah. just a little therapy, you'll be fine, it doesn't matter that you're a sociopath, we'll, we'll work it out. <laughs> yeah, I think, I think that's definitely spot on, I think there is, when, when a, a, a psychopathic sort of character shows any sort of vulnerability, mm-hmm. there is I don't know this innate motherly instinct instinct to like nurture and protect mm-hmm. shelter we want to fix the broken things even if they are men right and mm-hmm. yeah I, I think back to I think my sort of my love affair sort of with problematic men maybe is way back with like pride and prejudice I mean mm-hmm. we, we we should all 
hate, you know, Mr. Darcy with the way he treats her and everything like that, but we don't for some reason. And ultimately we, we figure, oh, okay, because there are redeemable qualities. We were right. Our instincts <laughs> knew we were right. And so Pride and Prejudice sets us up for a payoff that if right. we are patient enough, if, that we can convert these. I mean, you can go even darker. <laughs> you can go Jane Eyre. You could go Heathcliff. Uh, you could go uh, Dracula, yeah. for God's sakes. You could really go it's into true. dark yeah. path. And yeah. I think, too, there is something to say about this difference between obsession versus love and how easily we kind of confuse the two. Yes. Especially the case with Joe, who is clearly a stalker. There is yes. there's no bones about it. Like, no, you watch yeah. it, you read it, you know that he is stalking this woman. And yeah. yet we kind of feel for him because he loves her. Right. But the love is so strong. No, he right. doesn't love her. He doesn't even really know her. But right. we're convinced that this right. obsession is somehow translating to love. Right. And I think there there is a point in, 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 in stories like that um, where we start to go as the reader going, okay, we've crossed a line. And there's one. <laughs> we've sure crossed we a line. There okay, things have definitely taken a turn and, you know, and f for me probably it was like the box. I'm like, oh yeah, okay, that's probably not, okay, we need to stop um, enjoying this relationship now. <laughs> this is a stranger danger, let's stop. I mean, there's, there's a line between, oh, isn't it cute that he really cares about how much, you know, how un unsafe she is and, and things like that. And then it goes, oh no, oh no, no, this is, this is going crazy and yet I can't <laughs> stop reading slash watching <laughs> yep and it was the same um when Dexter first came out and I'm yes. very much looking forward to the new season um especially after the last season spoiler warning right. if you haven't watched Dexter yeah um but Dexter had that same kind of quality again yeah. the vulnerability quality yeah. attractive man very sweet but kind of socially awkward and not making friends easily so I could be his friend I could take care right. of him and this sort of a vigilanteness almost you yes. know like a you know he's not <laughs> all bad no he's only going against the bad people he's only hey. doing bad things to bad people it's fine as as you're not bad it's fine <laughs> And it's all fine. The rationale. God <laughs> love it. But I do think that gets us into these genres of mm. dark romance. And as we mm. were talking about right before we started, this extremely popular subgenre of bully romance, which yeah. we said that, um, you know, neither of us are really fans of bully romance, but it is such a rabid genre. There is a huge fan base for this this genre so it there is something to this idea of the men specifically that you should not love being attracted yeah. to them and, and, and I can't it has to sort of connect to, to those points that we've already talked about right I mean mm -hmm. I, I haven't writ, written written I haven't written them but I also haven't read them I haven't read a lot of bully romances but I I would presume that the bully is always an attractive species mm -hmm. of a man right sure. um and that there is probably some layer of vulnerability that is written in that there's a, a justification i suppose mm -hmm. for the bullying so it's sort of like it, it's really connected in terms of it's just instead of a serial killer you now have someone who is mean in a different 
way who might be mean right. with their, you know not going to kill you but they're going to smack you around or verbally abuse you things like that so I, there, there is definitely i think a parallel there mm -hmm. so it's it's i guess it's sort of interesting that i wouldn't naturally make that jump over <laughs> to, like why are why are serial killers okay but bullies are vulnerable serial killers okay bullies not so much <laughs> say about us <laughs> well i think there is something in that idea of the justification of the serial killer doing something to bad people right serial killers in these yeah. show stories very rarely are just going out and killing an innocent person like right that right. kind of takes away from it so there is that vigilante aspect that superhero s aspect it's the hero there is a hero deep within there just very deep 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 down <laughs> um i think, think you're right though I think that is yeah, the difference between the this kind of vulnerable sociopath versus the bully who may have aspects of vulnerability in them. I think the bully functions more like your traditional alpha a-hole, where it's a very overly masculine, dominant um, jerk, really. Right. <laughs> it's it's kind of like the jerks that you remember from, from college um, and not the ones that you wanted to date. The I think of the frat boy or the right. uh, stereo, you know, the archetype of that character is not appealing. But at the same time, there is clearly some appeal to this character where they are bullying, 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 and then have some redemption, right? Because if, if it doesn't have the redemption, then it's just a continued jerk all the time then it's not going to be a real romance behind it right well i'm curious i i would assume that those books have must have some sort of redemption arc to them i would assume that's the essential theme of the book is that the bully gets reformed but again i don't i, I don't know i'd be curious to hear from from people who read it yes i would imagine so or at least some type of redemption specifically towards the heroine of the book otherwise it's just going to be i don't know an abusive book. yeah it's yeah it's not going to it's not going to be romance anymore it's going to be in a different category and there's nothing wrong with that category either it's just it's just a really romance it's just it's just different <laughs> exactly well, you think... were saying before about mr darcy now in the case oh, of yeah. mr darcy they have that kind of narcissistic personality they are all about themselves. And then suddenly when they show interest in specifically the heroine or someone outside of themselves, it becomes this allure factor. Right. Yeah. Yeah. There is something, I guess, interesting about watching someone discovering sort of their own flaws and, and, and coming to terms with, oh, I really am this thing that people say that I am and mm -hmm. how does that character change or not I mean I think that's what makes reading interesting to me is how watching how a character changes and evolves because if a character doesn't have any sort of arc at all I'm not interested in them I don't care if what happens to them in a story they they are log carriers of a plot mm -hmm. they, they they don't do anything except hold something yeah that type I, of character growth Regard, especially when it's a character who has such what appear to be irredeemable qualities, whether it's right. our serial killer or it's our blood-sucking vampire or it's our <laughs> bully or it's our traditional, um, you know, 
18th, 19th century uh, nobleman. No matter right. what, there has to be some type of development, growth, and or change that turns them into not a different character, but an evolved version of themselves, where suddenly the things that were irredeemable before become redeemable. Right, right. But in the case and, and, of you and Dexter, <laughs> those are not romance. <laughs> no, 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 they're not. They're not. Well, they have some threads of it, but primarily no, primarily not. But, you know, I'm such I'm such a romance whore that a story can have like the thinnest thread of romance. And as long as there's something there, I'm like, OK, I can watch this. <laughs> there's something <laughs> redeemable in this show because there's a romance that I can follow. So <laughs> there is that. But I think and, and maybe this ties in with with these types of characters. There is something very compelling to me about broken characters. Mm -hmm. I love characters who aren't necessarily bad or evil, but the characters themselves feel like they are evil, less than unworthy, you know, that sort of broken down. Characters like Louis in Interview with a Vampire, even Edward in Twilight, the, these sort of characters who just don't feel like they are deserving. Right. Um, are you drawn to, to characters like that or? Oh, definitely. You... I think even you can make an yeah. argument for Loki in the newest Marvel in yes! incarnation of Loki, even though he has this very narcissistic personality or what can appear to be, the root of narcissism is not self-love, it's self-hate. So there is that yeah. same type of brokenness to that particular Absolutely. character. And, and again, with the, especially with women, there is that kind of nurturing factor that our biology just puts into us and we cannot seem to escape from that makes us want to fix them or make them feel less broken. Yeah, definitely. That's a really good example of somebody like Loki. He was somebody you, you should not like. Like mm -hmm. he is not a trustworthy individual. He has shown that time and time again. And yet you continually root for him and he is continually sort of the villain, but nobody really, I don't think, fully believes that he is bad. Right. I think the only person who feels that he's bad is himself well i think the best villains and the and the most complicated ones are those that believe they're doing the right thing wholeheartedly yeah. like even thanos who is the absolutely villain of the series right who's going to destroy half the universe yep. has his reasons and justifications yep. and there are points that you suddenly feel yourself going Oh, I kind of get that. Oh, I understand that. Yeah. Oh, I kind of feel bad for him. You know, there well, that's are those why moments. it works. Yeah. Mm -hmm. If if he hadn't, if he didn't have a, a logical justification for doing what he was doing, if he was just doing it for the sake of being evil, that character never would have worked. It never would have been exciting. It never would have given you the payoff that you needed. But you had to, you had to be able to see his point of view and what he was doing, or else none of it worked. And so. Right. I, he is he is a solid villain in in the yeah. MCU. Evil without a purpose is scary and terrifying, but it's not humanizing. You're not going to be attracted yeah. to this just pure evil entity, whether it take physical form and be a human being or not. If they're just purely evil, then there's there's no redemption quality to them. There's no vulnerability to them. They're too outside of the realm of the human experience for you to be 
attracted to them in any way. So it's really the right. ones that are that morally gray, ambiguous, and or broken characters that, that speak to us and then make us feel like, oh, I, you know, I could help out here. I could really do something for you. <laughs> right. And it's, it's funny, though, because I think it, it might be different between fantasy and reality. Like in the mm -hmm. fantasy, those are the types of characters that I'm really drawn to. But in reality, I'm not going out there and actively searching for serial killers to date, you know? <laughs> I'm not looking for people that are going to need years and years of therapy. That's so it's good. interesting. <laughs> it's very healthy. <laughs> it's interesting that that, that that duality exists, I suppose. Right. And it might be the fantasy of like, you know, the savior complex of, of us wanting to be the hero or to be the savior and, and to fix this, this broken individual and make them feel whole again. There is something very attractive about being able to make someone else complete or to make someone else feel great. Whereas in, in real life, you're like, oh no, baby, you got to stand on your own two feet. <laughs> I'll stand over here. You stand there. We can stand together, but you can't stand on me. Right, right. We're all looking for that Jerry Maguire moment of you complete me. You know? <laughs> We're all searching for that. <laughs> But the, the ones you mentioned before, so you mentioned Interview with the Vampire. Yeah. And what was the other yep. one you mentioned? Oh, well, even like Edward and Twilight, you Edward. know, that sort of, you know, self-loathing, I am an unredeemable, you shouldn't be my friend, you know, that's just sort of pushing away mentality. It's, it's, it's that like broken, wounded puppy or, you know, you know, you want to save and protect and, and nurture and and show love and affection too. It's just, it's just an interesting, an interesting theme that I've noticed in some of the books that I really like. I'm like, oh, right. <laughs> what does it say about me? <laughs> Maybe I don't want to know. <laughs> I mean, there is also something to the idea of a challenge, right? So the the guy is constantly pushing you away in the book, and he's constantly pushing the heroine away and being like, no, no, don't come near me. I have nothing that you want, and you're going, wait a second do I want this? Maybe I want this. Right. It's interesting. So that even enemies to lovers, which is a hugely popular trope, is probably more popular than friends to lovers. I personally yeah. love friends to lovers, but just looking from a statistical basis, enemies to lovers is the one that's inherently more popular. Well, there, I guess there there's more of a sort of a, a dynamic there. The, 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 the stakes are higher with an enemy's uh, to lovers so there, there's that sort of polar opposite thing that's sort of happening that I, I can see as being something interesting to see how are these two very opposite people gonna align and and find something that they can both connect to so I guess I can get get there from from that standpoint but yeah I I'm all over the place I guess with with what I'm reading in terms of because <laughs> I like those two I'm, I'm all over the place but, you know, I, I like a little normal. angst, too. Nothing like a little John Green to tear your hat out, right? I mean, give me <laughs> well, a box of Kleenex. <clears throat> it's true. It's, it's true. all yes. about mood yes. and where you are in different stages of your life. There are some days where I'm like, you know what? I just need a good feeling. I need to, like, get into bed and relax with a nice just friends to lovers romance right, where I know right. that we're gonna we're gonna have some obstacles but we're gonna overcome it's gonna them. be okay it's gonna, it's gonna feel great it's gonna be okay and yeah. there's other times I want to be like nope we're gonna have a few huge brawl we're gonna battle it out and that's where my head's at right now right and and I think that's just totally normal <laughs> yeah. okay 
Phew. Don't <laughs> ever okay. judge a person by their bookshelf is exactly. what we're saying. Because exactly. we have many moods and many books to reflect those moods. Exactly. <laughs> and look, we're authors. We know how it works. So if we want to draw the reader in and it, we're not going to make a hero or an anti-hero or a morally great hero be unattractive. We're not going to make them be, you know, so bad that the reader can't relate to them. Right. Because ultimately we love our characters too. So we're writing characters that, that, ha that encompass all these things, the, the, the types of things that we like to read about, we're putting in our own characters as well. So yeah. Exactly. And like you said, it, this does not mean reality. I, the, the characters that I have written in Code Black and Red Alert, I, I adore them. I love writing them. I love getting in that headspace and I would absolutely never date them in a million years. <laughs> exactly, exactly. And I think that that's hard for people to read, uh, to, to realize sometimes that, that they just go, oh, you're into that sort of thing. No, that's just <laughs> for fun. That's like turning on a television, right? We're escaping from reality for a moment. I'm more of like a Barry Allen sort of, you know, normal, sane, and can clean really fast. I mean, that's really what I'm looking for. There you go. You know? <laughs> I mean, look, I am a huge, huge horror movie fan. Everything from the 80s onward, I've seen the majority of it. But I don't want to jump into a horror movie and start running away from the killer. Like, that is not the appeal. So it's yeah. the same thing. It, just because yeah. I enjoy something in a romance or in a fantasy book does not mean that I, I want it in reality. Yes. We are not the characters that we write. <laughs> we are probably the most removed from the characters that we write. We are the quiet little introverts sitting outside of the sun in a, in a tiny little corner, imagining a world outside. So <laughs> we are not those characters at all. Exactly. <laughs> So we've been talking about these broken characters and people that we, we really shouldn't love in, in books. Do you write any characters like that in your own writing? I mean, I would say that Drake, who is a vampire in Code Black and is the hero of book two, Red Alert, is definitely that type of character and maybe has even some Joe from U.S. qualities because he is straight up obsessed with the heroine and a little stalker-esque, but he's also a 150-year-old vampire who doesn't quite understand all the social conventions, so we kind of give him a pass. I based him on uh, Spike from Buffy, who clearly nice. had a lot of those broken tendencies and he is very broken and the nice part about red alert is you get to see his backstory and what made him this broken character and i think that's the real spot of vulnerability that comes in and is going to make the readers fall in love with him it's certainly so that redemption me. arc is in book two more than yeah. it Nice. Yes, he's he's quirky and uh interesting in book one and you can see that there is something underneath, but it's book two that he gets his own story and you get to find out all about him and what makes him tick. Right. <laughs> yes. Yeah. yeah. What about you? Do you have any of the broken slash? 
I think character. I I write only broken characters. Honestly, I mean, I think I I really love broken characters, so I, I really try to start with a broken character, throw as many rocks at them as I can, and see if they can stand back up or not. Mm -hmm. um, but probably the character that is the most broken and damaged is uh, from my book Girl on Fire. Um, she's a pyromaniac and she's uh, had some some abuse going on in her life and so she is really sort of really sort of hates herself. She is that very broken I am that low denominator sort of character and trying to find a redemption arc for her um, was really challenging because this book went really dark on me and I wasn't prepared for it to go as dark as it did. I mean, sometimes that happens though, right? You're writing a story and suddenly a character says something and you're like, oh, yep. you want to go there, do you? <laughs> I, I was not preparing to go that direction, but okay, here we go. And, and off you go. Do you find that that happens with you sometimes with characters that you just kind of go off the rails and you go, oh, okay, we're writing that story now. Yeah, absolutely. And it's funny because I'm a plotter. So that means that I work off of an outline, but it doesn't matter. Sometimes the characters are just saying like, nope, what you wrote in the outline is not relevant anymore. And we're going to go in this direction. So they definitely have and take over uh, minds of their own. But you mentioned that it's the heroine of your story, which is not something we talked about. We talked about the allure of the hero slash anti-hero. Yeah. And I yeah. do think that heroines get treated a little more wariness from the reader if they are morally gray or if they come off as broken but i think a, a broken heroine is maybe even more relatable because it, it calls to something within us yeah I, I i write a lot of broken heroines i just i find those types of stories really compelling because i, I as a woman i like to hear how did you overcome this thing that happened to you how did you pick yourself back up that's to me like drama and maybe that again goes back to my theater background and trying to find drama in, in in everything and how do we lift the stakes and how do we raise the stakes and how do we see people grow and change um, but I love a broken character I guess there's not much fun in writing a character that that isn't fundamentally flawed or feels as though they are so flawed that they cannot be fixed Right. Um, I, I love know, that dynamic in stories. There is also something about having such a horrific experience with the heroine. I think of Patricia Briggs, who is mm. a classic paranormal romance urban fantasy author and her Mercy Thompson series. And spoiler alert for anybody who hasn't read it, I'm going to reveal one thing that does happen to the heroine. At some point within this series, the heroine is raped. And this is a kick-ass super strong paranormal heroine right and somebody who has an immense amount of strength and the thing that really touched me with that book is that after the incident she could have easily become a broken character right she could have just <laughs> given up there and and turned you know threw in the towel so to speak and she does become a little broken after this who could who could not after experiencing right. something so horrific but it's her redemption it's her recovery it's her coming back from that and realizing that she is still strong that this has 
maybe bent her, but not broken her. And there is something that's so, so compelling about that to the point that I, I wrote um, Patricia Briggs when, when I first read it, just saying, you know, thank you so much for this, because it's something that I hadn't seen before in that genre and that stuck with me for years and something I really wanted to try to convey in my own writing, that real sense of like, even super strong characters aren't always super strong. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And, and I think that that, that makes them an, an, an interesting character. If they were strong all the time, that would probably start to get boring after a while. You know, you, you have to see people's weaknesses because that's what makes them human. That's what makes them relatable. None of us are perfect, you know, not even superheroes. And, you know, we all they all have flaws. Right. We're, and that's the interesting part is when somebody has a flaw, you're like, oh, OK, I think of that you're relatable too. now. From the marvel universe like bucky right because bucky has become oh my gosh everybody loves bucky character i right? adore him and who could not besides <laughs> the fact that, again that the actor is gorgeous and brilliant that that makes it easy but the Hands characters com- it's just so compelling because he's had again this horrific background being super strong being incredibly powerful for the wrong side doing all of these evil things having no control of it and now how do i live my life with that kind of yeah. you know guilt how do i how do i come back from that that yeah. is incredibly compelling and it, he and has pretty- the best arc in oh, anyone in best arc absolutely hands down yeah yeah and that's one of my my problems and and my husband would be uh, not happy with me for it but that's one of my biggest problems with a captain america type character with a superman type character mm. with a character who is you know so good and above condemnation it's hard for me to relate to to that because yeah. we all have our faults and if if a character doesn't have faults if they don't have vulnerabilities then how how do i relate to you yeah. Well, I think that's maybe why, oh, I'm going to get hate if I say this. It might, it might be why more people, I think, like Batman over Superman, mm-hmm. because there's more darkness, there's more vulnerability to Batman and Superman. It's just, I mean, no offense to Henry Cavill. He is a brilliant <laughs> man to look at. I could look at it all day long, but it's not as interesting. It's not visually as, it, it, not visually, it's, it's much better, but it's not, <laughs> you know what I mean. It's not as compelling a character. Absolutely. And I think that's kind of a difference between, you know, Marvel and DC in general. It's just oh. the, the character character is first and foremost in Marvel and DC. It's an afterthought. Absolutely. <laughs> and look, with the actor, with, 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 with dear Henry, who is, again, uh, mm, so beautiful, mm, uh, most yes. people find him more compelling as The Witcher. Oh my God, yes. As I did not care for Henry Cavill at all until The Witcher. And I'm like, oh, hello, who are you? Yeah, absolutely. absolutely. I always say if you took Aragorn and Legolas, you get the Witcher. <laughs> yes. Yes. <laughs> you oh. just put them together and you get that character. Absolutely. That's, that's part of the reason why. I mean, besides the fact that, again, he's like a dirty elf. Um, <laughs> something about the dirt. I don't know. Something about the dirty elf. <sighs> but he is a darker character. Yeah. He's more complex. He's got vulnerabilities. He's kind of broken. He doesn't quite he has think flaws. so highly of himself. Absolutely. Right. Yep. So Superman compared to the Witcher, it's like, give me the Witcher. No contest. No day. contest. Yep. Absolutely. Absolutely. But in real life, I would probably go for Superman. Yeah, I think Superman <laughs> would, you know, 
clean the toilet and take out yeah. the garbage and, and do that kind of thing. Exactly. So exactly. <laughs> <laughs> oh, a therapist would have a field day with this conversation. Man sure. are now of like Superman taking out the garbage or cleaning the toilet. <laughs> uh, that's all right. As long as, as Bucky's in the bedroom, we'll be fine. There you go. <laughs> oh, boy. I went there. <laughs> Yeah, I, 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 there you go. I'm done. <laughs> Got nothing left. And we, we may have to be done with time at this point. Perfect. Wait. Perfect way to wrap up. Bucky in the bedroom, Superman in the bathroom. Mm-hmm. And I don't know who we're getting in the kitchen yet. We'll figure that out next time. Yeah. So, somebody better than me. <laughs> and where can we find you, Tina? If we want to find out more about you and the books that you write, where would we find out more about you? You can find me on my website at www.tinamoss.com or all of my social media at author Tina Moss. My books are available on Amazon and I have a new paranormal reverse harem story called The King with the Power coming to Patreon and Amazon Bella's platform very soon. And how about you, Danielle? Thank you. you. You can find me at Danielle Bannister Books at WordPress.com and on social media at Danielle Bannister Books. And, and I too have a, a book coming out uh, in September. This Girl on Fire is coming out. And um, I've got something brewing for Kindle Vella as well, um, but I'm not ready to reveal exactly what it is yet because. I'm still gathering up the nerve to, to, to actually submit there. So. Exciting. Do it. We'll do see. It. <laughs> Well, thank you so much for listening. Join us every Monday at 12 p.m. Eastern Standard Time as we continue the journey of how stories come to life to make us all bound by books.